Hello, and welcome back to Megan's Old Office, brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Thanks for joining us for season two. For the next six weeks, we will be hearing different people's perspectives on ministry, Christianity, and their relationship with Christ. This week, Reverend J.D. Gorlett will be interviewing Josh Dotzler. Josh is the lead pastor at Bridge Church in Omaha. He's also on the leadership team at Abide Omaha. Josh brings a unique perspective of ministry in the inner city. I hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome once again to Megan's Old Office and this segment of podcast that we're calling Perspectives. This is a time with special people from the community of Omaha talking about relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the perspective that we're looking for, uh, how people individual leaders in our community uh, see and, and react and have their re- relationship with Jesus Christ form their lives together. My name is J.D. Gorlad. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. Today, it is my great honor and privilege to work, welcome my good friend Josh Dotzler, the uh, senior pastor, head pastor, lead pastor <laughs> of Bridge Church here in Omaha. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Great to be on the podcast with you and just excited to have some conversation. Amen. Love uh, getting together with you and, and, and just talking. Amen. Next time you're buying breakfast, that's Come all on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you owe me one. Um, uh, for you, all of you out, out there listening, I got to tell you about Josh. One of the things I really love uh, and it always makes me smile uh, last, uh, this is December, I, I, I'm coming to my office, I get mail, I get to, I get my mail, I got this uh, letter, this card that says, you know, Dotzler on it, I open it up, and here is the, the most beautiful Aww. Christmas card I ever saw, <laughs> Josh and his beautiful wife, Jen, four beautiful kids, yeah. and I know you had, I know you well enough to know you had absolutely nothing to do, you just uh, showed no, up, I mean, <laughs> you just showed up, didn't my you? My wife is thoroughly responsible for that entire card, and <laughs> I just show up. She and the kids. I mean, they're, they're the ones who make that thing. It's <laughs> you awesome. had your you had your clothes. I just smiled because I said, "There's a guy. He had his clothes laid out for him. He shows up. He's uh, you know, people get to see the final product. That <laughs> one picture, the things that led to that one picture, the amount of bribes, can I mean, you name it. I mean, just to get that one good picture. Kids wandering yeah, off, oh, all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's, it's a whole crazy experience, but but it's all worth it for I, that one picture. I, I just smiled because I knew that that was the story behind the picture, yeah, yeah. but the picture itself, you guys look like you walked right out, of, <laughs> right out of the studio. I mean, it was perfect. I'm dude. glad we got one out of a thousand. <laughs> we got one out of a thousand right. That's how it is. Uh, as I said, uh, Josh is the lead pastor of Bridge Church. Here in North Omaha, how long you been? Uh, how long you been doing that? Man, it's ten years this year that uh, my wife and I graduated from college, and just felt like this is the direction God was calling us to. And uh, I'll be honest, did it mostly out of obedience, <laughs> not necessarily because we we desired it. But uh, ten years celebrating this year, and so cool to see what God has done over that time. Tell me what you mean by doing it out of obedience. Uh, yeah. you had some other things at that point. You were in your early twenties, isn't yep. that right? Yep. And you both graduated from Creighton. Is that? Yeah. I graduated from Creighton. My my wife graduated actually from UNO. Oh. Okay. Um, but we met my freshman year at Creighton and ended up getting married going into my junior year. So we were married for two years in college before we graduated. And, um, yeah, got to spend a lot of time together and grow up together. So 
At that point, though, so you become the senior pastor, you, you take this on. Obviously, there was a great sense of calling for you yeah. from, from Christ. Uh, yeah. And I'm just getting a, a, a sense from your response that you had some other things that were in your, in your mind, and you said yes out of obedience. Say a little bit more about, you know, what did you have to say? You said yes to one thing, but it sounds like you said no to a few other things. Yeah, I mean, for me, my, my just part of my story and journey is uh, when I went to college to play basketball at Creighton, I got a scholarship to play ball there. Uh, life was all about basketball. And uh, through the course of playing ball at Creighton, I got injured my freshman year. And really, God used that to get my attention. And I'll never forget being in my dorm room my sophomore season, going into my sophomore season, and just felt like God spoke to me and, and, and really started to get my attention and said, Josh, either serve me 110% or don't serve me at all. And felt like he was really calling me higher to make a decision to really put my faith and trust in him and, and really let him lead my life. And at that point in time in my life, I, I, I said, man, God, that's what I want to do. And so made that decision. That decision led to marrying my wife. Uh, as we were getting ready to come out of school, you said, you know, you talked about having different opportunities. Um, had a decent basketball career. My injury definitely changed some things. And so, but had some opportunities to go overseas and play professionally, had some job opportunities, uh, but just said, God, whatever door you open up, that's what door we'll walk through. And it's amazing that a lot of times the door he opens up is the door that we don't necessarily <laughs> want well, him to open ab- up. Absolutely. But how did you, how did he open that door up? Yeah. How did he make that? Because, I mean, to play professionally with your passion for for the game, yeah. your skills, your great talent. Uh, obviously, for God to get you to recognize that other door, yeah. he had to do something. What you know? Was there a red light over the door? What was the what was the deal? How did yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes God just opens the door a little bit to to where you take small steps. And it wasn't like we uh, said yes to pastoring, being the lead pastor at Bridge Church at the time. Um, through my injuries and just circumstances, my dad said, hey, you can come serve with our organization, Nonprofit Abide, that my parents started 30 years ago. Our church, Bridge Church, was brand new, just a year into it. We had been attending. We had been participating. And he said, hey, while you figure out what's next in life, come serve with us. And so we went there serving, thinking it was going to be a short-term just opportunity. Thought it was going to be three months. And uh, as we started to step into it, God started to make some things more clear to us and started to really just give us more of a heart for some of the things that he was doing. And this was both with you and Jen. It Big sounds time. like so Jen had an experience there too that really that must have been really encouraging to you to make that choice. Yeah, I mean she she came a little uh more hesitantly. You know, I had grown up in the ministry per se. My parents had been a part of what they were doing. She grew up in a Catholic church. I mean, her parents wondered what was wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> that I sounds mean, familiar. Let me tell you about my wife and, I and mean, her family. Yeah, there you go. Why would why would people with college degrees just graduating, the future is ahead of them? Why would they move to a community like North Omaha? And why would they start to work in this ministry field where they would get paid very little? And so they couldn't understand. And so even for my wife. She came, she knew God was doing some stuff, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't our first choice in terms of what we thought we wanted coming out of school. It wasn't the definition of success that we uh, thought we would pursue. And to go back a little bit, we want to talk about your mom and dad here. You've made reference. Yeah. You're talking about Ron Twani Dotzler, two of the, I mean, honestly, the greatest leaders in the, in the community They're of amazing. Omaha. 
uh, talk about a strong call upon people's lives to go. I mean, I think of your mom and dad. I think about uh, Abraham and God yeah. coming. God coming to Abraham must have been the same thing. And it wasn't just your dad. Yeah, it was also your mom. I mean, yeah. God comes to Abraham and says, "Go to a land that I will show you." That right. that happened when you were a little boy. Yeah. What two or three years old? Yeah, I was two. And yep. uh, and God came into your mom and dad's life. Yeah. And said, "I want you to go to North O and start doing work and ministry there." Yep. Uh, you were you grew up there, but you also you had to be. What you're saying is you had to also be called there. Yes. At that formative, that pivotal moment in your life, and yes. so did Jen. Yeah. And so did her family. Uh, has over now it's been 10 years how have you seen those people yourself your yeah. wife her family and other people start to get a excitement and get yeah. a sense that hey god knows what he's doing yeah. because yeah. at the beginning yeah. it sure looked <laughs> it sure looked like god had what are you talking yes. about right well i think similar you know we read the story of abraham and these stories in the bible and I don't know about you, but I never had God come down to me and say, Josh, this is the land I'm calling you to. I want you to go to. I mean, I never had oh, man, that. That happens, that happens to me all the time. Yo, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm glad I'm in the presence <laughs> of the most holy person uh, I've ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. But uh, no, you're but, but, but I think right. similar to my story, my parents' story was was similar. They opened up the newspaper, and they thought God was going to call them overseas somewhere. My dad always said he, he envisioned himself, you know, in Africa, fighting the lions and tigers and bears. And they said, God, we'll move anywhere except for North Omaha, because North Omaha was known for crime and violence and chaos. And, and how does God do it? My dad quits his job. They sell their house. Through a relationship, there's a house that's opened up in North Omaha that they can move our family into. And it was by it was a fixer upper. It was a fixer upper in his book, uh, Out of the Seats into the Streets. He talks about it. You know, one of the titles is uh, Roaches and Rats. Right. It was a fixer upper. It was horrible condition. He moves into this neighborhood and then starts to have these experiences. Moves next to a major drug dealer. Moves next to a guy who's getting ready to take his own life and. And so he was moving into North Omaha, not knowing that that's where he would be for the next 30 years of his life. Well, and this is what's interesting to me, Josh, is this is what God gave. Yes. To your dad and your mom. Yep. He doesn't give your dad and mom a bright new car. Uh, yeah. You know, a, yeah. you know, he t he leads them away from a house in the suburbs. Yes. From a successful career as a what a chemical engineer, yep. as I yep. recall. Yep. Uh, in your dad's case. It's interesting, isn't it? Here's the call of God on your life to go yeah. to a land that I will show you. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a house that's filled with rats and yeah, roaches. I know. And uh, you live through that. You grew up yes. as that and it started to improve and gain yeah. momentum. Uh, yeah. Uh, you were raised with the God who leads us to such places. Yeah. As this. Isn't that right? Yeah. You, and so for me, I saw, I saw two things. Number one, I saw the struggle and the challenge in growing up in the community we grew up in, the crime, the violence, our, our neighbor girls were murdered. Uh, I mean, our toys were stolen. I mean, the, the stuff you see on TV, our family experienced. And so it instilled fear in me and it caused me, I, I always tell people, I loved what my parents were doing, but I didn't want to do it. I wanted to, 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 to go live somewhere else, raise my family somewhere else. But the other thing that it taught me is that there's nothing better than living out the purpose that God's designed you for, the calling, responding to the calling, even though it may cost you. 
And to see my parents live with such purpose and, and in the midst of the challenges to feel the, the, the calling and to stay and remain. And then over the years to see the impact, to see the stories, to hear the stories, to experience the goodness of God. Because I think, again, I, I think of my own life, I think of my parents' life. You, you respond to kind of a little nudge, a little whisper, okay, God, I'll, I'll take a step. But you don't know how it's going to play out. And for me, I mean, and my parents, there's been a lot of challenges along the journey. Absolutely. But man, 10 years now, I can look back and see the faithfulness of God and see that God was always doing something bigger than I could have ever imagined. What's the key element then? Uh, what's the indispensable element on that on that journey? And let me insert that, you know, Josh and his family called to a unique ministry here in North O. However, everyone, yes, every one of us doubt. is called to a unique ministry. And I think there's certain commonalities. I yep. don't care whether you're called the Bridge Church, a, exactly Abide right. Ministry, yeah. Uh, in my case, senior pastor of, of Dundee. Yeah. Johnny is our, our, our engineer. He's called the music direction and leading the choir. All yes. of us are called in these different forms yes. to glorifying God. Um, what What's the key element in keeping you in it? Yeah. I mean, I, keeping I, you going. Yeah. I love in First uh, Corinthians. I mean, again, you look at all the stories in the Bible. But it says God uses the foolish things of this world. Amen. And to be honest with you, it it's God's always doing something countercultural. And so for all of us, wherever, whatever context we're in, a lot of times God calls us to do things that are inconsistent with what seems to make sense. They're inconsistent with maybe what the world would do, what a strategic plan would tell you to do. <laughs> yeah. and, and the reality is God's always calling us to trust him. Amen. And so for me, he, he's called me to trust him in the midst of the community, the environment, the work that he's called me to live and work and be in. And, and for everybody, he's always saying, will you trust me more than you'll trust your ability to make money? Will you trust me more than your ability to try to f solve and come up with the plans? Because he's always doing something bigger. And so I, I just believe that he's always trying to tell a story about uh, just his goodness, his faithfulness. And the question is, will we respond and be obedient to that? And it can be very small things like, man, I want you to go encourage somebody at the grocery right. store. Right. I want you to go, go have a conversation with your neighbor, man, your neighbor's going through something, right? There's small things. And then there's things where he says, you know what? I want you to switch jobs. You know what? I want you to disengage with a certain relationship, go to a new land, go to a new land. And, and the key is, will we trust God? And when we do, the results always speak for themselves. Now, it might not be in our timing or it might not be immediately, but it's amazing what God can do and does do. You know, one of the things that I talk about along those lines, and it, I've just, God has gotten me with over and over, is I call, I call it five extra minutes. Mm. So much, so many times I find that, that ministry, being a Christian, yeah. being a, a, a better Christian is five extra minutes. Yeah. It's five extra minutes of me spending, giving five extra minutes to someone, or yep. some, and it's almost always an individual conversation, yep. where instead of rushing through and just slapping the guy on the back and saying, hey, man, love you, and all that, standing there and, and really genuinely investing and yep. taking that genuine interest in where they're at, that five extra minutes yep. uh, is nothing. I mean, if I can't spare five minutes, right, but I get right. into the mentality yeah. 
that I can't, that right. I got something better to do. And, and God has just gotten, he's just beating my head. He just say, J.D., that five minutes may not mean anything to you, but it may right. change the entire right. course of somebody else's right. day. Yeah. And, and it's not just five minutes, extra minutes. You know, you and I have talked about spending a Saturday mowing lawns right. in, the neighbor, in the neighborhood and, and just in connecting with the people that are attached to those lawns. Yep. To the, the, that's five extra minutes. In that yep. case, it takes you maybe a couple hours. Yep. But it's the same principle. It's just I'm going to do this instead of these other these other choices. I want to ask you about, you know, when you were working on, when well, when God was working on you, and he's still working on you, <laughs> yeah. and he's still working on me. Yes. In that common element of, you know, what we talked about, what's that common thing that, 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 is, that we all need to have? Um, you talked about being drawn away or, you know, having to, you know, be brought back to the ministry of God, and, and, and because you, you have other ideas of what you and Jen want to do with your life, yeah. Um, you know what are you know what are those things? What are uh, you know what's the common thread there uh, of of the things that that uh, they're not bad things that right. seek your attention, right? right. It's it's uh, uh, you're being called into a relationship with God who is uh, you know always doing exciting and new things, like you said. But it is not easy continuing yeah. to trust, is yeah. it? No, and and so, sometimes we talk about Christianity having two parts, and this is something my parents used to preach that I think eventually took root in me. And, and the first part is really what we would call conversion. It's when we get to a place in our life, like I did in my dorm room, where I felt like God said, Josh, I don't want to just be important to your life. I need to be central to your life. And being important for for me, he was important in my life growing up, man. We went to church. I prayed, read my Bible. He was important, but he wasn't central to my life. I wasn't building my life around his plans for me. And so I felt like he called me into this life of, of moving from myself as the, the central figure to, to him being the central figure, which led to really, I would say, this, this conversion. But it doesn't stop at conversion. The next step, I believe, is calling. And after conversion, I believe God calls us into a purposeful life based on the way he's designed us. And he's designed all of us very uniquely, very differently. I mean, it's amazing. Nobody shares the same thumbprint. He knows all the hairs on our head. And so he, he, he created us for something. And I think if we're not careful, we'll pursue a lifestyle that's consistent with how the culture defines success versus the way God defines success. Now, that means something different for everybody. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful for those uh, uh, people who are followers of Jesus and God has blessed them with incredible resources to steward to build the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful for those like my parents who he said, you know what, I'm not going to give you all these resources, but I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to have to rely on me in a different way. And so for, for us, it was about finding out how has God created Josh and Jen and what is the calling that he has on our life. Now, my definition of success before uh, uh, walking into what he had was, man, I'd love to play professional ball. Why? You make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You live in great parts of the, the country. You get to travel, have you cool experiences. This is what you love. I love playing basketball. Um, my definition of success was to probably raise our family in a nice community and, and send them to nice schools and a place that's maybe safe uh, where I'm not. Uh, awakened by drive-by shootings, you know, on a regular basis. Is that still happening? Just a couple weeks ago. 
Saturday morning was awakened. I counted 17 gunshots. Oh, my gosh. And, and found out that there was a drive-by not too far away from our house where actually it took the life of a young person who was connected to a family at our church, uh, was the nephew. And th- those types of experiences, I'll tell you this, though, those types of experiences, your prayer life goes up. Those types of experiences, your trust in God, man, God, is this really the, the call <laughs> that you have on my life? It causes you to, to lean in in a way that I probably wouldn't otherwise lean into God's um, just heart for my life. But everything, everything you say, Josh, one of the things that comes through, and I've certainly experienced this in my own life, is that your image for yourself and for Jen is one thing. Yes. And your, and your kids. Here it is. And a lot of that image that you have for yourself and for your family coincides completely with, with, with what God's image is yes. for you. But there's, if, if we were to have God sit here and tell us, uh, you know, what His idea for for us is, one of the things that's coming out of your comments is that so much of what God God would say about Josh and Jen, about your family, about your ministry, would cause you to say what are you talking about, right? right? You, you, you're confronted with that all the yeah. time. We're talking about is doubt. Yes. Where you're yes. in it, you're called to it. You've talked about this important stage of identity with Christ yes. being calling. Yes. And that calling does constantly cause you to say, what are you thinking, yes. God? Yes. Because God's thought of you is is so completely obnoxiously different than yes. if you were to see yes. all of, oh, if yeah. you were to see all of it thanks yeah. be to god that i can't see all of it right. right but that which we can see in this current moment on this this day right does scare us yes and cause us to doubt but god yes. has ministered to both you and jen you you said it at the beginning of that calling yes and i'm guessing throughout even to this moment because yes. You wake up every morning, you know, gunshots in your neighborhood causes you to yeah. say, wait a minute, God, um, uh, I might want to tap out yes. here. Yes, He meets you there, yes. doesn't he? Yes. I know he has done that with you several times. Oh, without, without a doubt, and, and all along the journey, he just, he reveals enough <laughs> and confirms enough that says, you know what, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to take a, another step. And, and again, after 10 years, you look back, and whether it's the financial provision, that he's given us. I remember uh, the, the safety that he's given us. Again, my definition of safety, I believe God wants safety for his children. Amen. But that can look like a variety of things. I mean, I'll never forget, it was a couple years after moving back and living in the, the North Omaha community. Again, I was awakened to a drive-by shooting and it was right in the back. I could hear it so close. And I looked out the back window. It was the, the room of my two boys who were young at the time. Oh, and I went to the front window, which was Jen and I's room, and I looked out the window just to see if I could see anything, and I see this truck driving by. And next thing I know, I see the, the explosion of a bullet coming in my direction. And I roll over, and I tell my wife, I think I just got shot at, and called the police, and they said, yeah, there was a drive-by there. I go and preach at church that next Sunday, or that next morning, which was Sunday, come back and see the bullet that was coming in my direction went right through my neighbor's house. And they had taken a shot at me to try to get my attention because they saw me peering out the window. My black friends tell me that that was my white side looking out the window because you're not supposed to look out the window when a drive-by happens. But I'll never forget the questions for me that I had. I'm like, God, man, I want safety for my family. Why would you call us to a place where these types of 
uh, activities and, and circumstances are so dangerous and scary. And, and it was a time for Jen and I, and, and to my wife's credit, her faith and trust in saying, man, if this is where God has us, he's going to keep us safe. And, and for us, it was such a pivotal moment that really it could have caused us to run from God's calling or lean in more towards God's calling. Mm-hmm. And it caused us to lean in. And so even now when those things happen, I just we can keep looking back on God's faithfulness, on his ability to keep us safe, on his, uh, his ability to provide all of our needs, his ability to, to continually put the pieces in place in ways that we could have never imagined or hoped. And then the stories of people's lives that have been impacted over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it just ki- continues to add fuel to, to what God is doing. I think God does want to have us be safe. He wants to bless us. He wants to be our protector. He wants to be our stronghold. Th- yes. That's that's some biblical language right there. Yeah. But we can get, and we certainly, I've, I certainly see this, we can get, we can prioritize safety and security so much that we never step out. Yes. We never, we yes. never go anywhere. And so it's both and, not either yeah. or. God wants to be our protector, and indeed he is, but he also wants to prove that protection yeah. by protecting us in some vulnerable places. And, yeah. and so you had safety, and you have safety, yeah. but you are also vulnerable, aren't yeah. you? Not just to flying bullets, but yes. to attacks of the devil yes, and yes. Uh, temptation, doubt, yes. fear, all this kind of stuff. Yes, I want to talk to you, you know, part of our conversation, because... You know, a, a prayer life, a scripture life is absolutely essential to any Christian, no matter where they're serving or how they're living. Um, you've had God really encourage you in these in these moments of doubt, in in struggle, yeah. In just where, and I love the fact that you're you're going to God on several occasions, saying, "What, what are you doing? What is going on here?" Yeah. I know also that in the midst of those prayers, God has spoken clearly to you and to Jen, Mm -hmm. to your mom and dad. But there's been times where God's been quiet, where you've, he does this to all of us in prayer. Mm -hmm. If you would, I'm just going to throw this to you open end, encountering the silence of God Mm. for extended period of times, where you passionately and desperately needed to hear God's voice. You needed that cup of cold water from God, and maybe you went for a couple of weeks or a couple of months without hearing Mm -hmm. and just being confronted with silence. Yeah. You know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Say, what's that been like for you in the midst of those, uh, of those struggles? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's, (laughs) as we're on this journey in life and we're confronted with all these challenges, there's definitely been seasons where you're crying out to God, you're asking why. Um, you know, I, I never forget, even shortly after I had made a decision to really put all my faith and trust in Jesus when I was in college, and my my basketball career, as it was going, uh, didn't turn around. It, it kept getting worse. I tell people, when I got recruited by Creighton, I would walk into a gym and coaches and players and people would, would say, hey, man, that's Josh Dotzler. Hey, that's hey Josh, come over now here. Talk to my kids. Talk people to my... still do that. <laughs> you I walk mean, into a room, man. That, you well, know. The, the, the farther out you are, the better player you were. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, I, but, but literally for the next three years after my injury, I would walk in and I would hear the whispers. Man, that's Josh Dotzler. He used to be this great player. He used to... 
And I remember coming back after a game, and I remember I was in my car, and I was kind of crying, and I was just like, man, God, like, where are you? And 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 I, I was just, I, I was wrestling with the fact that I, have, I was surrendered to God, but my life wasn't getting different. And it was still so much pain, so much struggle. And over the course of time, I felt like God eventually spoke to me. And, but one of the things that I feel like God has done in my life is brought people in my life to encourage me and speak to me. And sometimes when I'm not hearing directly from him, it's the voices of other people. I mean, it's, it's sitting down for, for breakfast with you. Amen. And it's like, man, there's these, these, these periods, which is interesting because for me, when I'm struggling, I want to pull away and I don't want to be with people. But for some reason, God will set it up to where I'll have a breakfast with somebody at the right time or I'll, I'll run into somebody and they'll just start speaking life and words right. or they'll listen and, and, and share the heart of God with me. And I've learned over the years, I can try to, when I don't hear the voice of God, I can try to do Josh help or self-help instead of God help. And self-help, I start trying to solve the problems. I start working harder. I start getting up. And, and God at different times will bring people into my life to just share the, the voice and the heart of God with me, which will redirect my attention back to him. I was having this, this conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and he was talking about his conversion experience and his continued relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's a continual thing. Yes. Uh, you talked about making Christ the center of your life at when you were in, in your dorm room as a sophomore, yep. I believe it was, yep. in college. But that's a continual thing. Yes. He, he talked about how he was angry at God, and then it took a drive in his car and expressed all that anger to God, and at the end of all, I mean, just let God have it. And yep. then he got done with that, and he realized that he had been angry at what he thought God was, not right. at God. It, yes. He said it was like yes. God spoke to me and said, yes. "Man, you ain't are, you won't, you're not mad at me. Yes. You're mad at what I what you think I am." Yes. And you had and I, you and I, uh, at different stages in our lives, we've had different ideas of who God is, only yes. to be woken awoken to <laughs> the fact that all that anger, as powerful as it is, all that hurt. Yes. It has its genesis and is rooted in the wrong image of who God is. Yes. And, he, and even what God is doing, because we don't see the bigger picture. Again, I go back to my college experience, and it wasn't until years later, even, even recently, I, I see it more and more, how the hardest three years of my life athletically, God has used significantly in the calling and the purpose that, he, that, he, that he's had on my life. And I was so focused on the game of basketball, but God was doing something bigger. And I have so many more relationships within the community, even, even what I'm doing today in my connection with Creighton University and the impact and the role that they've played in my connection with coaches and players. Those three years that I was struggling, but God was working on me and I was able to uh, walk out my faith in unique ways that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have been able to. It was one of the biggest blessings and one of the biggest parts of preparation that God was using and doing in my life. But I had no perspective or, or vision for that 
And so God in his sovereignty is always doing, is always using everything we're going through in, in so much, in, in bigger ways than we could ever imagine. You know, what's interesting to me is that you being a basketball player is a good thing. You yeah. are, you, you're a talented, uh, smart player and already a Christian man. No matter, you know, if you had been become a pro yeah. uh, and if that was your career, you'd have been a Christian man. You'd yeah. have glorified Christ in there. You and I certainly see lots of it. We met some athletes yes, and, for coach, sure. and coaches that they're yes. 24-7 in, in the sport yes. glorifying God. They're, yes. they're, they're, they're bringing glory to God. Yes. But in your case, God selects, God elects, chooses. Yep. To break that path for you, mm-hmm. that was your will to become right. a professional athlete. It wasn't God's will for you, mm-hmm. um, for reasons that he that he knows. There's pain with that in, right. in in and it's not a bad will, right? We certainly know people and right. that have will a will for their life that is destructive for them and for other people. Right. But you didn't have that. Right. You had a will that was was a a path, a desire that was good and and, and wonderful. And God yet said nope, and yeah. took that away from you. There had to be time, a, a period of time where you watching God's will take that away. Right. That had to be a lot for you to mourn. Yeah. Get over it right. to let to let go. Are you are you still doing that, or yeah. uh, is that still a struggle for you? It, it, and not just with your career, with your basketball career, but with some because I experience it too where, with other where, dreams. Where, or, exactly yeah. where it's like, how can God? How can this idea of mine, <laughs> that I, this will that I have for right. my church, my family, yeah, how can this not be the, the thing? Why right. are you crushing this? Right. How do you you still yeah. struggle with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, again, I, I with the basketball side of things, I think you know it took years to really get over that, and 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 really wishing or desiring that I had so many friends that played professionally, and the life that they were living, and the traveling they were doing, and the experiences that they were having. And uh, it's so interesting, though. Now in this season, I mean, I'm only 33. But a lot of the guys I played with now are transitioning out of basketball and into real life. <laughs> right. I mean, at a young 30, 31, 32, I mean, you, you start to get old um, in, in your 30s when it comes to basketball. And so to see them transition, to see their struggle in transition and to see how over the last 10 years I've been able to work towards, build towards, learn in, in you know, being a pastor and running a nonprofit organization I'm so much farther ahead in certain areas of life because of the path that I've been on. And so, again, I feel like God has really uh, given me perspective that I didn't have and has helped me so much. So in basketball, there's that. But but in life, too, I mean, e- even to this day, sometimes I'm like, man, I, w- I would love to work somewhere where I know exactly I'm going to get this consistent paycheck on a, on a consistent basis and, and we're going to have this and, and there's going to be a little more stability and a lot less. But the reality is... I'm more and more convinced that God is doing something. And even um, uh, in the middle of the instability, in, in the middle of what we're going through sometimes, I, I'm more convinced than ever. And I don't question God's calling and his ways as much as I have in the past. And I think that's part of it. We're, we're always we're, we're building history with God. Man, God, I was struggling here. You came through. I was struggling here. You came through. 
And I feel like over the years, it's like, okay, the history. Oh, wow, God, man, I, I, I have to stop not trusting you when I face these realities. I felt like just a couple years ago, God said, man, Josh, if you really trusted me, how would you live differently? Because I would go through challenging times where I didn't know what was going to happen. And I would say I trusted God. And I, I really believed it, but I didn't live as if I believed it. And he would come through. And, and when, I, when I really know that God is going to come through the way he says he will through his word and through people, man, I can live with a confidence and just a conviction that allows me to walk with faith in a way that maybe otherwise I wouldn't. You know, it's so easy, and we see it from the, from the disciple Peter, where he makes his bold claims. Yeah. We, it's so easy for us as Christians, isn't it, to, to think that's all there is. All I got to do is say the right thing. Yeah. It's like Peter stands up and says, man, I'm going to follow you to death. I'm yeah. going to follow you yeah. right to death. And, and Jesus, love it. He says, he goes, amen, I tell you, before, before yeah. the rooster crows yeah, yeah. tonight three <laughs> yeah. times, you're going to deny you yes. even knew me. Yes. Because Peter's locked into this thought of, yes. hey, look, Christianity, following this guy, yeah. is all it is is just saying it. Yes. And, and it's right, isn't yeah. it? It makes sense that, that God, who... Who desire what we're talking about is the God who created the universe, yes, yes, but and could have been very satisfied with just making the universe and spinning it into motion and sitting back, but he wants yes. to have a relationship. And if there's relationship, you've used the word trust several times yeah. here, you've talked about trust, it makes sense as yeah. I listen to you. Uh, that this God of ours who wants not just passing relationship, yeah. not just hey, how you doing, good morning. Um, that we give to the guy at the coffee shop or the gas station, but but he wants trusting relationships. Yeah. He wants to know and be known. Yeah, and and it makes sense that he's going to call us into. De- he's blessing us with with painful trust. Yeah, with trust that stretches us beyond what yep. our, our comfort zones. I, I mean, I, I think of even just my kids recently, the swimming pool, and some of my young children trying to get them to jump off the diving board. And I'm in the deep waters, and I'm saying, hey, jump, jump, jump. And they're just looking over the edge, and they're fearful, and they're scared, and they don't want to jump. And after coaxing them and saying, hey, I'll give you some candy if you jump, or you know, trying to get them off the diving board, they jump. They realize that I catch them, take them to the side. Oh, my goodness, they want to do it again right. and again and again and again. They, they say, oh, Dad is going to catch me. He is going to be there. It is going to be okay and I think those are the experiences that, that we have with God. Peter, when, when he stepped out of the boat, oh my gosh. man, he had an experience that caused his faith to rise. And so there's, I think there's two elements of it. I think, number one, you have to step out of the boat. If, if we never step out of the boat, which I think a lot of us, our fear keeps us in the boat. It doesn't cause us to take these big, giant steps of faith. Yeah, and I can't help noticing, Josh, that one guy gets out of the boat, but there's 11 there's guys a lo- who yeah, you're, stay in the boat. You're right? exactly right. And so I think a lot of us stay in the boat, and, and, and we don't take big leaps and steps of faith. And I think it's in those risks, it's in those steps of faith that, wow, God catches us. Here we are talking to Josh Doltzler, uh, my good friend, the pastor, the lead pastor of Bridge Church, and uh, here on Megan's old office. We're getting his perspective. That's the name of the series, Perspectives, uh, Perspectives on Christianity and Christian Relationship. And Josh, we've been talking uh, up to this point in and around this question, yeah. And uh, but I want to throw this to you. Uh, 
because I think it's something people need to hear. What do you think that that people least mm. understand about being a Christian? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a being a Christian, understand about God. I think that's such a good question because I think based on our, our experiences, we all have a different perspective. Mm. I, I almost think about. Uh, you know, being a father to my four children and the interactions that I have with them. Mm. And I love my children without a doubt. I would do anything for them, but in different seasons or at different parts of a day, I have to wear different hats. Right. I I think about, you know, they get hurt, they fall off a bike, something happens, they're crying. I'm going to go over, I'm going to care for them. I'm going to put my arm around them. I'm going to try to encourage them. But there's other times, like the swim meet I'm at the other day, and, and one of my sons didn't want to swim. Really? And, and I said... Uh, you I, explain to him I, that I, swimming I, was I, an essential <laughs> element, right? I said, man, we don't go to practice for nothing. We don't, we're not paying for... I'm not sitting here for three hours for nothing. Uh, but, but I had to motivate, encourage, really push him to, to do what, what I wanted him to do. And so at different times, I think God's... The Bible talks about discipline mm-hmm. and how a, a father disciplines his children because he loves them and wants what's best for them. And so I think when it comes to Christianity, people's experience in the church, I think when people just think about God, I think there's all these different expectations and maybe thoughts. At the end of the day, I love the song, You're a Good, Good Father. I was going to sing it, but I don't think you want to yeah, hear that. I don't, don't want to hear that, man. But, but the God we serve is a good God. He loves us unconditionally. But in different seasons, we need different things from him that I think really his ultimate goal is to see every single one of us, his children, become all that he's created us to be. And that happens in times through encouragement, that happens through challenge, through discipline. But ultimately, he loves his creation more than anything else and wants to see us live a life that really meets the expectation that we were created for in the beginning. You know, one of the things that I tell people, it's an interesting answer because I I talk to people, you know, I like a good Disney movie. I like Disney World. (laughs) But I say to people, you know, I'm really glad that Walt Disney didn't write the Bible because everything Disney, all the bad guys look like bad guys. All the good guys look like good guys. All the endings are happily ever after. I mean, there may be a little bit of tragedy here or there, but it's all, you know, it's all going to, everybody's going to land on their feet. That's not exactly how life is. And that's not exactly how relationship with God is. Right. God is a good, good father, but you do a great job with your example of being a dad to four beautiful kids. Yeah. It, it, it does. You do have to tell them things that and do things disciplinary, uh, dis, uh, discipline wise, yep. that don't make you feel very right. good. But it's an encouragement to know that God does that with us. God needs to do that with people. Yeah. But I think in this day and age, people that come to our churches. They just expect you and I to stand up as lead pastors and say, hey, yeah, God, just, God just loves you the way you are, yeah. doesn't ask any. He's just here to give you whatever right. you need. Yeah. People need to hear there's yeah. more to it than that. Yeah. Isn't that. Is that what you're kind of saying? Oh, w- w- without a doubt. And I think, again, I think about being a father. I think about my son, Joseph. I played college basketball. We talked about that at Creighton University. Yeah. My son, Joseph, loves sports and athletics. And within the first year, he was on a first grade team. I was kind of helping coach. He was playing and I was watching him play. And I made the comment to my wife. I said, our son looks like a a, a son out there who either doesn't have a father or doesn't have a very engaged father because he doesn't know what he, he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there. Wow. And what it, what I realized was because I had pushed so hard and pursued this area of basketball in my life so hard, I didn't want to do that with my children. 
And so I didn't push him. I wasn't out there playing with him. I wasn't out there coaching him, challenging him. As a result, he just didn't really know what he was doing out there. And I realized part of my role as a dad is to challenge him. It's to push him because I want to see him excel, not just in basketball, but whatever he feels called to do. And so I think as, as pastors, we're coaches, we're fathers, we, we, we carry the father's heart and we want to see people reach their God-given potential. And that means sometimes we've got to challenge them. That means sometimes we've got to encourage them and love them in different seasons, celebrate with them. But I, I do think there's different roles that we play in that. It's hard in that, in that role because you want to, as a pastor, as a dad, you always want to feel good. Yeah. You always want to get people's approval. And yes. it's hard, yes. isn't it, to not yes. play into that. I want to shift gears a little it's bit good. with you. I want to talk to you about Bridge Church. Yeah. And what you, you, you've been there 10 years. We talked about that earlier. Bridge Church is here in North Omaha, yep. which has been a troubled neighborhood. When you came, I, with your dad and mom and what you've done, that neighborhood has really uh improved and grown yep. and and uh you've had an incredible effect there with your mom and dad's ministry and your own ministry you and jen talk t- tell me about bridge church and in, yeah. in, in every church every parish dundee bridge yep. no matter it has a unique calling yes. it has a unique ministry it has a unique thing that it can bring yes that, that god is wanting to do what do you think, what makes Bridge unique? What do you feel is yep. God, God's unique calling on Bridge Church? Yeah, we, we say all the time, there's one church, many different expressions. And so exactly what right. you just said, God body. has a unique thumbprint expression for every, every church, Christ, the right? body of Christ. Yeah, yeah one big C. Uh, for Bridge, I think everything from the way we started was very unique. My parents started our nonprofit 30 years ago. And in that nonprofit abide, we were living in North Omaha. We were working in North Omaha. My dad had been working with a lot of people in the community trying to help them. And what we discovered was many of the people we were working with, there wasn't a church that we could get them connected to. The churches that were maybe in proximity weren't churches that they really felt like it was a church for them. The churches outside the community, the distance was a problem. And so we really had a heart from the beginning as an extension of our outreach in the community, we wanted to build a church and a place for those in the community to feel like they could connect. So what do you, would you say that North Omaha needs? Yeah, you know, I, I really, one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is this idea of presence. John 1.14, the message version, Good. it says Jesus moved into the neighborhood. It said he put, he put on skin, he put on flesh. Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, yeah, right. the message version. And, and other translations say that the word became flesh right. and dwelt among us. Yeah. So God, in his sovereignty, he knew that we needed a real-life living example love of who it. he was here on earth. I love it. And so I believe that in every community, in every city, what our communities need is more people that abide and embody the presence of Jesus. John 15, it says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then it goes on to talk about living out this idea of love. And so I believe that when people who are abiding in Christ, his presence is in them, when they are present, things change. And so our entire strategy is about getting people to live in North Omaha, to serve in North Omaha, we think that the greater the presence of people who carry God's presence is in the community, I don't know if that makes sense or not, No, it does. but the greater the presence in the community, 
the more powerful our impact in that community will be. And, and consequently, in communities like North Omaha specifically, the saying and the motto is work hard, get an education, and you too can move out of the ghetto. So to be successful in life means to move out right. of the community. And why would anybody want to move their family into a community of crime and violence and poverty? But by the grace and, and, and calling of Jesus to say, I want to plant you and I want you to be a specific presence for my kingdom. And he had me with, that's so fantastic <laughs> with Eugene Peterson with the message. Yeah. He says that. I remember that. I, it, 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 it's one of his best translations among many. Yeah. John chapter one, Jesus moved into yeah. the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's good stuff. And, and, and yet we want people to move in, but we want the people who are already there yes. to get transformed. Yes. By the gospel. Yes. That's something that your dad and your mom with Abide Ministries, that's been a cornerstone for them, yes. right? Yes. From the beginning. Without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You, and you're now proclaiming that, and you and Jen are living that out, but you needed to be, did you need to be converted? You were raised with that. You yeah. were raised in a family, in a household. We've talked already in yeah. this about it, it, yeah. fix her up, or remember that, we were yeah. talking at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Yeah. But you personally, yeah. you've embraced that. Yeah. That's become your mantra in, in, in the cornerstone of your theology, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, and, and, and talked about it a little bit and just, I think, the two parts to Christianity. Number one is saying yes to Jesus and, and making him the central focus of my life and our lives. But then the second part is saying yes to his calling and where he's taking us. I think when I look at a community like North Omaha, it is a very unattractive place for people to live. I don't care if you're a Christian or not a Christian. To, to, to move into a community where, you're, where there's heavy crime and violence, even for my parents, to, to raise their family there, people would always question, why would you do it? And to be honest with you, there is no logical reason. You wouldn't do it if you're just looking at you know, our worldly view of success. And so even for me personally, saying yes to, to God's call on my life and it requiring myself and my wife and, and moving our family into this community. I think over the years, sometimes God gives us greater perspective and vision for what we're a part of and to see the progress that's been made over the years. It started with my parents. They, they were the only ones. Now we've got over 40 families, lighthouse leaders right. living in this community. You start to see some momentum happen, which I think just fills you with more hope. Explain to our audience what lighthouse leaders are. And that's, that's evolved over time, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when my parents moved into the community 30 years ago, they weren't lighthouse leaders. They just lived in this neighborhood. But after uh, living in this, this neighborhood on Fowler Street and working in that neighborhood, uh, having block parties and community events, we saw this neighborhood start to transform and change. And we said, if we can do it in one neighborhood, why can't we do it in the 700 most challenging neighborhoods in North Omaha? And so a lighthouse is a family that we place into a neighborhood. Maybe we buy the house, we fix it up, and then put that family into it. Or we identify a family that already lives in the community and we start working with them to resource them, to coach them, and to help them strategically live out what it means to be a lighthouse resident uh, based on what we say. And, and, and a lighthouse resident basically is intentional about engaging their community 
and then connecting them with resources that we as an organization try to provide. And they're keeping their property a certain way and, 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 For sure. and, and being a citizen a certain way. Yes. Uh, I think a, a citizen in a way that a lot of people just take for granted, but yeah. that is truly tra- does really transform. And the people own the house, the lighthouse. Or Ultimately, the- that's the goal, that people would own their homes. Right now, about seven out of 10 people in the North Omaha community rent. There's not a high level of home ownership or just ownership right. as a whole. And that's a problem. It's a problem. So you have entire communities that the properties aren't kept to the highest standards because you have investors from the outside that aren't putting in the money. They don't care. No, that 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 to to really help them be a place that people could call home. Have you seen uh, since? Have you what kind of improvement have you seen? in North O, say, over the last 10, 15 years in particular. Yeah. Because there has been. There's uh, there, reason to celebrate, There's right? been significant improvement. I think, number one, there's been a lot of nonprofits and organizations and individuals who have invested in the North Omaha community. And there's developments like 75 North Project on 30th and Lake Street. There's been a variety. We've seen close to 75% crime decrease whenever we have a lighthouse in a neighborhood. And so you take that over 40 neighborhoods – and then through our community events, we're touching close to 200 uh, uh, community blocks of people. We've, we've started to see some momentum shift in a positive direction to where more and more people are getting involved and engaged in what we're doing. He's Josh Dotzler. He's the, the lead pastor of Bridge Church. His dad's Ron Dotzler. We really encourage. I love uh, your dad's, uh, the title of your, it's his last book, Out of the, Out of the Seats and Into the Streets. Yep. That's exactly what you're talking about yep. here. I want to ask you about um, people in the in North O, how they receive the message that you're talking about with yeah. me here, uh, because you know there's got to be a, a certain moment there where they're like, okay, what is this? This lighthouse stuff? Yeah. What's that about? Maybe there's a certain cynicism about it. Yeah. Uh, or a suspicion. A re- maybe an outright uh, rejection to yeah. it. Have you seen those kinds of things? How do you work? Uh, it, how do you work and how do you confront that? Yeah. When you it, you're coming in, you and your dad and your mom and Jen, it, you're coming in with this message. Yeah. It's not like, oh, hey, welcome. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, go ahead and do something, <laughs> do something yeah. new because people don't receive yeah. new stuff no. like that. How do and, you break through? Yeah, I mean, part of it, we don't lead with that message. We don't lead kind of with our approach to uh, revitalizing this part of our community. We lead with we're moving into this house and we want to be good neighbors. And so we really start just real grassroots, real relational building connection. We have cleanups where we're in neighborhoods. We're cleaning up. We're inviting people to block parties. And then, oh, yeah, we bought a house in that neighborhood, and we're fixing it up. And while we're fixing it up, we're meeting the neighbors and getting to know them. And and then eventually we move a family into that neighborhood, and there's already been relational equity that's been built. And so that family moves in there. And ultimately, that family is just trying to be a good neighbor. And like a good neighbor, abide <laughs> the churches. No, but but sponsored by State yeah, Farm today. Right. <laughs> but we're but we're not going in there saying, "Hey, we're the hope for this this community. We've got the solution to our challenges." We're just trying to place people. We know that it's very strategic, and if we can get a lighthouse in every block, we know statistically what can happen, and we know that the presence of God can permeate that community. But ultimately. From the neighbor's perspective, they say, wow, 
this organization, when they put a neighbor in, they're very neighborly. <laughs> they bring resources with them that helps our community. And wow, they connect my kids to other programs and other resources that are out there too. So ho hopefully that's consistently the reputation that we have when a family moves into a neighborhood. I love this guy. He's a great friend of mine, Josh Dostler. There's only one problem with Josh. Is that <laughs> <laughs> that maybe, uh, maybe more say, than I one. I don't know. There might Come be a few, few more. A few more. I better call Jim. <laughs> That's right. Let me tell you, I, I have this guy. He, I, have, I have Josh come over and I preach and, and have him, I mean, preach for me. That's a problem That's because a problem. the guy the guy's just got talent. He's got talent no. overflowing. He Trying preaches like a no. Wait a minute. No, come on. I, I, I he preaches the sermon and you did last year. Uh, was that about a yeah. year ago? Yeah. And so then I got to put up with like four or five weeks, a month's worth of people. <laughs> When's Josh coming back? When's Josh, when's Josh coming back? Uh, you've blessed our people with Man. your message. In in the last message that you talked, you talked about mowing lawns. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Can you tell talk a little bit about mowing yeah. lawns yeah. in the difference that Yeah. We, we have one of many sayings, but we say when the spiritual becomes practical, it's powerful. And, and really just trying to practically live out what the Bible talks about. And so one of the ways that we do that, and, and we even started our neighborhood approach was, we said, what, what does the kingdom of God look like in our neighborhood? And we said, well, it looks cleaner. And so in our neighborhood, there's overgrown lawns and trash. And I mean, you just walk through and, and you say, man, is anybody living here? And so we said, all right, we're going to go out and we're just going to start mowing up lawn, mowing lawns and picking up trash. Without even being asked. Without even being asked. Yeah. So we just started doing it. And we're out in, in, in a couple of yards and we're mowing lawns and people, neighbors are coming out. They're like, what are you guys doing? Thinking you're nuts. Thinking we're nuts. And that's profound because you're doing the gospel and they think you're nuts. Yeah. And it's so easy. I mean, I can mow. I can pick up trash. It, it, it doesn't take a huge strategy. So we're just doing it. They come out and they say, hey, what are you guys doing? And, and I remember one lady in particular say, oh, we're just mowing, mowing this lawn right here. And she said, well, I know the owner. You guys don't own that. I said, no, but it's just overgrown. We just want to mow it. And she just looked at me kind of weird and said, oh, okay. Went in the house. And so we kept mowing. Probably five, ten minutes later, she comes back out. Well, who did you say you were and what did you say you're doing? And said, oh, we're just mowing this lawn. We love our community and our neighborhood, and we love you guys, and we just want to serve our community. She said, oh, okay. Goes back in the house and comes back out again. Who did you guys say you are, and what are you doing? And over and over, that was the response we got from the community. One individual said, wow, I didn't know churches did anything. Wow. And so the perception, specifically in our, our community, was churches do a great job of gathering people but we don't do a great job of getting out of the four walls of our church. Yeah, and they do a great, and churches can fall into this thing where they do a great job of telling everybody else how to live. Yeah, and versus just saying, you know what, let's try to model it, let's try to live right. it, and let's try to invite people to, whether it's our church or just invite people to experience Jesus by how we're living. Yeah, and it, 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 that's so good because, like I said, you know, I think we can get into this ivory tower thing where we're locked up in this ivory tower and all, we, all we're doing is we're just talking about what we ought to do yes. and telling other people yeah. what we ought to do. You're not, you're not putting some skin in the game, as they say. You're not you sweat, blood, sweat, and yeah. tears. Uh, then it's, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really count. Now, we've talked about what we're doing. You've used the word we. Yeah. And, you know, and you're pastor, lead pastor of Bridge Church. Uh, abide is yeah. is a close partner in this. Yeah. Bridge was 
was birthed, birthed out, out, of, of, uh, yep. out of Abide. Yep. Um, what is that partnership like right now? Where's the? Is there a line between the two? If so, what what is that line? How's yeah, that, how does, how's that I would say There's kind of a dotted line in between. Part of it. So I'm the lead pastor of Bridge, but I'm also the the CEO of Abide, and so have the opportunity to really lead um, both organizations. Uh, a lot of churches, you know, have either ministries or outreach arms that help them live out the missional side of of what they try to do for their community. We started with an outreach arm, Abide, and then we planted Bridge. And so Abide really serves as our community outreach arm. It is where we're doing lighthouses, our community events, and our church is really how we're discipling people. One way we say it is is, is Abide really helps us create um, community influence, and Bridge allows us to see spiritual impact happen. And so we see both of those kind of work together hand in hand. Again, you've got a nonprofit, it's a nonprofit in and of itself. You've got a church, but they work very closely. And, and for us, they're really a picture of the gospel, the whole gospel being lived out in our community. What's the mission field like in North O? Yeah. What I mean by that is when you bring Jesus, the message of Christ, yeah. are people, is this a blank slate you're bringing yeah. it to? Or are people familiar? Are people familiar with G, the name of Jesus? Or I, if yeah, so, how much? I would say communities like North Omaha, I would say, are very churched. A lot of individuals grow up in church, have been uh, exposed to church. I think uh, when it comes to Jesus, there's even a desperation because of the realities of what people are facing: homelessness. Um, they don't have any any access to resources. You know, they may be uh, loved ones. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times on a Sunday individuals come to me and say, hey, I just lost a loved one, either through gang activity or through some avenue outlet. There's, there's constantly these traumatic experiences happening. So there's an openness to Jesus. There's an openness to a, a faith community, to the gospel. And so I think, though, their perception also of what churches do or don't do uh, we we want to try to help give them a different picture of just how the gospel's played out on a consistent basis. You know, and I want to explain to everybody, I'm the pastor, uh, senior pastor of Dundee Presbyterian Church, suburban, wealthy, uh, 100-year-old church. Josh is the lead pastor of Bridge Church in North Omaha. We've got a great f- uh, friendship. Urban, we, not wealthy. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but yeah, dynamic. Very different demographic. But, yeah, very completely different. And... Um, and uh, so the mission fields and the challenges, you yeah. use the word discipleship, and of course that's something that all, all of us in ministry are trying to yes. do, yes. trying to help people become disciples. The word disciple in Greek means learner. Yes. It means, so the learning is never done. It's, you never yes. get that, that complete knowledge of Jesus and relationship of Jesus. The yes. blessing is getting more and more and that there's always more and more to, to get. Yes, yes. So as you're discipling, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, try to get you out of here uh, on this. Um, uh, as you're discipling and working with people yeah. in your context, um, what is what is it in the discipling process uh, that is the big step for typically? And I know I'm generalizing. Yeah. Um, what do you, what are you as a pastor really trying to get uh, the typical person at Bridge Church to get about Jesus and to where you know, man, this is the thing that they that yeah. needs to click in. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I I think similar to what you said, a disciple is a learner, and we believe it's very holistic. It's not just 
what they learn in, in on a Sunday morning or it's not just, you know, a small group environment. All those environments play a role in them becoming more like Jesus. Because what are we learning? We're trying to become more like Jesus and live more like Jesus. And so we really try to create what we call a discipleship pipeline. So we start kind of uh, at an entry level, which is just an engagement point with outreach. We, we get people to, to, to engage and maybe they come on a Sunday morning and our, our messages on Sunday morning hopefully inspire them with hope, give them a different paradigm. But ultimately, we want to see people put their faith and trust in Jesus. And we don't want them to just think he's important. We want them to make him central to their lives. So in a couple of weeks, we'll have baptism. And it's almost like, again, growing up as, as a child grows up, there's these different mile markers in their growth and development. Baptism and saying yes to Jesus is one of those early mile markers. You start the journey then of growth and development and, and maturity. And so uh, one of the mile markers is baptism. But then after that, we want people to understand their purpose. God's got a plan for their life. You weren't created by accident. And so understanding their gifts and their passions and their experiences and how all that plays together. And, and, and so we want to help people do that. And then we want to help people know that, man, we're called to live out this idea of love. And not just where you live, because we also do have people from around the city that come to our church. But Jesus, when he talked about the Good Samaritan, very specifically, I believe it's people who are in need and people who look very different Amen. than we do. Amen. And so we want to strategically set up environments so that, because if we're not careful, all of us can get into the routine and just the habit of going to church and going to this Bible study and getting more information. But man, when we start giving our lives away to something greater, it's probably the single greatest thing that right. changes us right. and helps us start to live more like Jesus. And we're so susceptible. You mentioned the Good, Good Samaritan story. Those, the Samaritan and the guy who was beat up by the side of the road yes. that he helps, those are people that had been taught that they are supposed to hate. Oh, they, out of anybody they should have known. Right. They're, these are two different races. Yes. And, uh, oh, I'm supposed to not trust this man and yes. not help this man, and he's better off if this man dies. That's what the yes. world is telling me, and the Samaritan does not listen to that. Yes. Because he's been transformed by the Spirit of God, the gospel, yes. to, to, to something larger. That what everything that you just talked about is a revelation yes. to every culture, to every individual, yes. regardless of gender, color of skin, uh, background of any yes. kind. Everything that you're talking about, that God, I loved how you said that God has a purpose for your life. Yes. You weren't made by yes. accident. All of your experiences yes. lead up to what you might do next yes. in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and, and can I just say this for many listeners out there who don't live in communities like North Omaha? It's not about where you live, the demographics. I can live in North Omaha. The scripture says, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This idea of loving ourself wasn't just me personally. God, Jesus was talking about loving people who looked like you. If I'm not careful, I can live in North Omaha, but I can spend my time loving people that are more like me. My family, my friends, my... And so no matter where we are demographically... Right. We have to be incredibly intentional. Now, it's easier for me. I can go across the street versus maybe drive across the city. But we have to be so intentional to get outside of ourselves because it is less comfortable. And, man, God, the Holy Spirit is going to give you those opportunities whether you want hey, them or not. That's exactly right. You know, he's going yep. to give you those opportunities. 
Um, we're talking with Josh Dotzler here on uh, Megan's Old Office about Christian perspectives. I want to close you out with this. You, you've talked about trust throughout this. Mm. I think the word of our yeah. conversation has been trust, because that's it. I mean, yep. if I read Scripture and in prayer, God, that is what He is always trying to get us to be. And yep. that's such a transformational thing for me, for you. We've talked about that several times and what we want for our communities, yep. regardless of where we are, is is the wonders of of trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just not just knowing that there's yes. a God in the world, but but being in trusting yep. relationship. I want to ask you this last thing. What passage of Scripture, what story from Scripture do you return to more than any other? What's what's something that is, you know, at, right at the foundation of your life, Josh? Yeah, that's a great, great question. There's, I, I, I I was, it's tough because you probably have a lot to choose yeah, from. And, and I guess my initial thought was, you know, in different seasons, yeah. I think there's been different stories, different Scriptures. Um, I think one of the things for me, you know, I look at, what I feel like God has called me to, and even where I am. And sometimes I feel like, what am I doing in this position? <laughs> it doesn't seem uh, like it, it doesn't seem like I'm in a place that's easy for me. It doesn't seem as natural. Ideally, I would want some other things sometimes. And <coughs> one, one of the things that I'm reminded of is in 1 Corinthians where uh, Paul talks about how God uses the foolish things of this world <laughs> yes, to shame right, the wise. Right. And how my perspective, and, and this is just in life in general, it can be small things or big things, but I constantly go back to God's perspective is so much bigger than mine. Right. He knows better for my life than I know for my own. And if I got all the things that I wanted in life, I'd have a lot of really good things. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'd have a lot of really good things. <laughs> and now starting at guard for the Boston hey, Celtics. I, I would have some amazing things, but we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. That's right. I probably would, I wouldn't be who I am today. Right. I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know that I, my family would be who we are. I'm just seeing more and more the blessing of following God's path versus Josh's path. And I constantly go back to, wow, God, it doesn't make sense to me but it does to you. Amen. And, and, and I love the, the quote that somebody else said, but I love it. it. When it doesn't make sense to us, it might just make history for God. Yeah, wow. And, and so I constantly go back to yeah. that, that idea, those scriptures. Wow, it's the foolish things. And all throughout scripture, I mean, I look at our organization. God used a white guy from Iowa to move into North Omaha. Come on. It doesn't get any more unreal than that. Right. You look at Abraham. You look at, he told Noah to build a boat. It never rained. Right. And so God's ways are so different than ours. But that's something that, I think it just brings me comfort. And then I look at the scriptures and, or the, the stories in scripture. And it's like, wow, God, yeah. You consistently uh, do things that don't make sense to the world, but they're always the best thing ultimately. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I'm always, I always love uh, seeing this man. man. I love getting together. Yeah, I love seeing you coming my way and uh, uh, talking about the Lord. It's such an encouraging thing. That's the idea of this podcast is to share conversation yep. about Christ because it, 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 it has this incredibly uh, uh, wonderful, blessed effect. We've been talking with Josh Dotzler. He is the uh, lead pastor at Bridge Church here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us, brother. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Honestly, it's fun just hanging out and talking. That's that's it. Great being with you. Yeah, same here. This has been Megan's Old Office. Look for new episodes coming up in the next few weeks. We'll see you then.
Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.